Well, the news has been largely good overnight, with very strong retail sales in the US, falling jobless claims as well, and a couple of strong manufacturing surveys. So no surprise that equities are up again, but perhaps they're up because bond yields are down. They've fallen markedly lower overnight. We'll see if we can figure out why that is happening. And yesterday, Australia was also on the good news roster, of course, thanks to those rising employment numbers. And today, it's mainly about China with their Q1 GDP numbers out later on. It's Friday, the 16th of April, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a big fall in 10-year Treasury yields, losing nine basis points, back down to 1.54%. Remembering, of course, that they had been 20 basis points higher than that in recent weeks, and the fear was they were going to go higher still. Well, look where they are now. Moves down in European bonds too. 10-year gilt yields down seven basis points, for example. U.S. stocks have bounced back up over 1% for the S&P 500, 1.2% for the Nasdaq, and 0.8% for the Dow. So another day with new highs in equity markets. Coinbase, incidentally, on day two, has fallen. And so has Bitcoin. I wonder whether we will see uh, some sort of relationship between those two. Uh, A small move down for the uh, US dollar again. It lost 0.2%. It's down that much against the Japanese yen. The Aussie up another quarter percent, uh, around 77.5 US cents now. Otherwise, fairly quiet on currency markets, except for the Russian ruble. We'll come on to that in a second. And in commodities, big rises in copper, gold and silver. Copper is up 2.4%. Oil is up two, but just a third of 1% for Brent. So there is a bit going on. And to talk us through it all, here's Ray Attrell, head of FX Strategy at NAB in Sydney. So look, retail sales in the US yesterday doing quite a bit better than expected, up 9.8% month on month in March. Quite a bounce back from February. The initial jobless claims also down more than expected for the week of the 10th of April. The Philly Fed Manufacturing Index up over 50 and way more than expected. It's actually at its highest level since the 1970s. Uh, The Empire Manufacturing Survey also very strong. So lots of good news for the US which explains perhaps why the stock market has bounced back. It doesn't explain why we've seen bond yields falling, going in the opposite direction. What's going on? No, it doesn't, Phil. Um, and good morning. But, um, yes, uh, yeah, again, one of those instances where if you had uh, been in possession of the uh, the US economic calendar and the results of it uh, ahead of time and, and, and uh, asked what you wanted to do in the bond market, again, I don't think many people would have said, oh, I think I want to buy bonds rather than sell them. But uh, but here we are with a, you know an almost 10 basis point uh, rally in the 10-year Treasury that's now some 25 basis points back from the peaks that we saw in March. Um, I think there's uh, you know there's numerous sort of explanations on offer if you like i mean certainly our you know our bond analysts have been saying for a while they were looking for a period of consolidation after the uh, the sharp run up that we saw in q1 and that certainly seems to be continuing to play out but on top of that we you know we also know that um, a lot of uh, market participants um, asset managers in particular have been accumulating short positions in recent weeks so you know potentially there's a bit of a squeeze going on there um, and also you know it's reasonable to anticipate a flood of of bond issuance from corporate America in the wake of the Q1 earnings season. Uh, JP Morgan, for example, have announced a $13 billion uh, issuance program in the last couple of hours. And, and that actually spawns a, a host of, of hedging activity amongst, for example, the um, you know the underwriters of those bonds, which, which typically means buying treasuries, you know, as a hedge against um, 
you know, against that issuance. So, uh, so all of those factors may be at play here, certainly. Mm. But um, do you think we're going to see a lot more of that? Then we're going to see a lot more corporate bonds being issued as we as companies try and get out of the crisis. Is that what they're that we're saying? They're hedging. Is the expectation we're going to see more of that? Well, I mean, it is typically the case that uh, in the lead up to earnings season, Mm. you see the major companies, um, you know, don't do any fundraising activity, and uh, you know, once the results are out of the way, then they're free to uh, you know to continue on their funding programs and saying that's certainly the evidence mm. is certainly there that we're seeing a repeat of of previous quarters but uh, you know that said it's it's pretty you know hard to believe that if we continue to see you know the, the US economy going from strength to strength as the numbers are suggesting that um, you know that, that that surely is inconsistent with, with bond yields staying you know down where they are at the moment or you know should I say going lower so again the view of our bond analysts is that um, you know as we go through the year you know we will see these moves that we've seen in recent weeks uh, reverse and, and possibly then some. Well, the other curious thing we're seeing with banks, particularly, you know, they've they've reported very strong earnings. So, Bank of America and uh, Citigroup reported uh, strong earnings, and uh, they had uh, a stronger than expected results. But their share price slipped. Every, everything feels topsy turvy today. Well, a little bit, but uh, this is almost a redux, isn't it, of what we saw um, after the Q4 earnings reports, where uh, very much a case of sort of buy the rumor, sell the fact. At the same time, although we've seen things like trading revenues and investment uh, banking returns, you know, really punching the lights out. We saw JP Morgan, for example, earlier in the week expressing concerns about the strength of uh, of loan growth going forward. And I think we've had similar sort of um, overtures coming from, we had Bank of America and Citibank obviously reporting overnight. I think that's one of the reasons that uh, the share prices perhaps haven't done uh, haven't done quite as yeah, well. Yeah, it's very clear though, isn't it, the contagion in the bond markets? Because I mean, look, you know, it wasn't just the United States, but I mean, big moves across a lot of Europe as well. It's, no, exactly. Well, I think that's sort of taking the lead, obviously. We had a couple of hours of trading in Europe after the numbers have come out. But uh, obviously, the read-through, if you look across all other asset markets, be it equities, be it commodities, be it uh, you know, be it stocks, that fall in bond yields is clearly the driver, I think, you know, obviously, along with, you know, the US economic strength supporting equities directly. But, um, you know, so the dollar, you know, is, is slightly weaker rather than stronger. And we've got the Aussie back at sort of 77 and a half. You know, commodities are higher. And that, I think, is a product of a softer dollar and, um, and lower bond yields. Certainly. So, um, so at the moment, it's the you know the bond market vigilantes are certainly in the hot seat as far as uh, driving all other asset classes. So that explains the Aussie dollar, doesn't it? Well, it does in part. I guess the other part of the the strength of the Aussie dollar is that those employment numbers that we saw yesterday up seventy point seven thousand, twice what had been anticipated. So we've seen the unemployment rate uh, down to five point six percent. That was a surprise, wasn't it? Well, not to NAB. It was a surprise to the market. Come on, Phil, give us a bit of credit. Yeah. But, um, so no, we were certainly on guard for. <laughs> Uh, you know, a higher than consensus number, and, and pick that two tenths fall in the uh, the unemployment uh, uh, numbers. So, to kudos to Tapas, who's the uh, who's the number, who's the pointy head predicting those numbers. But uh, yes, but yet again, we've got um, you know another example of the unemployment rate falling a lot uh, faster than the RBA itself had, uh, has been anticipating. Yeah. Now, obviously, these numbers predate. Well, they're saying five five point five percent. 5.5% by the end, end of 2022, the second we're at 5.6% already. So. Well, that's right. And, and NAB is thinking that uh, we could be as low as 5.1%, um, you know, by the end of this year. Um, you know, and obviously that we have to, you know, caveat this saying, look, these numbers predate, um, you know, the end of JobKeeper at the end of March. But, uh, you know, given where in particular job vacancy stats have been uh, have been sitting, you know, we do think that uh, those that have, uh, you know, are losing their jobs as a result of the wind back of, of JobKeeper, you know, shouldn't 
struggle to find other employment. Obviously, there are all sorts of issues about geographical location and skill sets, etc. But, um, you know, we certainly don't think there's going to be an endurable negative impact from the, the wind back of JobKeeper. So, yes, yeah, so so onwards and onwards and downwards for the unemployment rate, we think. But, uh, you know, in terms of market reaction, it's still not translating into a view that the RBA is going to not be true to its word about when it thinks it might be able to start, um, you know, reversing course on interest rates. So we had really fairly limited market reactions. And in fact, you know, the, the, the stronger Aussie dollar that we've got, it, it's very, it'd be very hard to pin that on the numbers, just looking at, uh, you know, how the market it's reacted in the immediate aftermath of those figures. The RBA will, at the very least, have to, to revise their forecast, though, won't they? Um, almost certainly. So we're coming up to the May um, statement of monetary policy. So uh, inevitably, there will be some uh, some welcome and, and revisions to their thinking. But will that translate into a, a change of rhetoric on uh, on policy? We certainly think no. One thing we don't we do think it does mean, though, is that uh, the debate that's raging about whether the um, the RBA might extend its uh, three year YCC policy to the November um, 2024 bond, um, you know, we've always said that we thought that was um, you know, unlikely. Um, and I think the uh, the strength of the incoming data, you know, strengthens that view that um, you know, they don't have to make a decision for a few months. But when they do, you know, our view is that they'll say, no, we're, we're going to stick to, uh, you know, to, to the April 24 bond and not roll forward. So that will be the only sort of potential sort of policy consequence, if you like, of uh, of the strength that we're seeing in the incoming numbers. So this, the strength in the Aussie dollar, that was one of the biggest moves. Uh, in the in the last day, uh, going the other way, the Russian ruble uh, down 0.8 percent today. That's because the US is going to be announcing sanctions on Russia over cyber attacks and other hostile uh, acts as well. I mean, maybe we'd see more reaction if we didn't have COVID going on. But I mean, this the, the response to this has been very localized, hasn't it? Sort of geopolitics. Uh, it, it's got to be pretty extreme to get uh, anyone's attention these days. No, I think that that's certainly the case. I mean, we did see a, something like a two percent intraday move in the, in the ruble soon after the uh, the source report that indicated that sanctions were imminent. But that sort of retraced some strengthening that we've seen in recent days. You know, go back a few weeks where you know, um, you know, the, the debacle in Turkey. Um, you know, where that you know mm. we had more sort of sackings of uh, of, of, of central bankers, etc., that uh, weren't to the likings of the uh, you know likings of the um, of the President, and, and we saw the Turkish lira um, under some extreme downward pressure. But again, it proved to be localized. So we aren't seeing broad-based yeah. contagion in emerging markets. And you know, you have to say that you know one of the biggest fear factors for emerging markets is rising U.S. Treasury yields. And now that they've gone into reverse in the last few weeks, that's actually been a supportive influence. And uh, you know, and in turn, that actually has, has been one of the factors that supported the Australian dollar, which is very risk sensitive, but um, you know more so in relation to emerging. Emerging markets than the than the developed markets and the likes of the U.S. stock market. So certainly, you know what we're seeing there is actually consistent with this, um, you know, grind higher in the Aussie that we've seen in recent days. Well, I wonder whether the China numbers will have more influence as well on that because uh, they're out today. Uh, if we get more optimism, we've got uh, Q1 GDP, we get March industrial production, we get retail sales, fixed asset numbers as well. Uh, a whole heap of data coming out of China. Well, that's right. And if uh, so, if, if the US calendar and uh, yesterday's uh, Australian numbers are anything to go by, then uh, the risk is that we're going to, we're, we're set for another set of upside surprises. But given the expectations mm. that uh, that already exist there, you know, GDP eighteen and a half percent up year to date, year on year. Industrial production twenty six percent. Retail sales thirty two percent. Investment twenty six percent. Now these are all coming off uh, either the Q one twenty twenty base or the March twenty twenty base, obviously, which was right in the 
uh, you know, the, the extreme um, early phases of the yeah. pandemic when the, the global economy was plunging into recession. So, um, you know, so we shouldn't be surprised by that. But, uh, you know, if we are surprised to the yeah. upside, then, uh, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll complete the, uh, the trio of, uh, of regions you know, producing much better than expected numbers. And, you know, were that to be the case, it would provide a little bit more fuel, I'd suggest, for the um, the strengthening in the Aussie that we've seen this week. Yeah, we get U.S. housing starts as well. We get the University of Michigan preliminary April Consumer Sentiment Index. Uh, we get the manufacturing PMI for, for New Zealand uh, from 53.4 in February to what in March? We're going to find out, aren't we, today? Indeed, yes. So, uh, yeah, that's first cab off the rank at 8.45, and then we're waiting until uh, midday for those China numbers. And so probably the University mm. of Michigan consumer sentiment will be the pick of the crop of the U.S. numbers tonight. And more earnings results as well from the United States tonight, including Morgan Stanley. But uh, we'll leave it there for now. Have a great weekend, Ray. We'll catch you next week. Will do. Thanks, Phil. That's it. I'm done till Monday. Back again on Monday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you then. Have a good weekend. 